Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. So basically, the shot heard around the world last night, in case you all missed it. It was 115-115, Oklahoma City and the Portland Trailblazers. And man, what a game that was last night. Uh, Portland... uh, but to deliver the final blow against Oklahoma City. And man, I whew. it's it, there's a lot to take in from this game last night cuz <sighs> me being personally a Russell Westbrook fan, right? So the game was 118-115 total. And Damian Lillard hitting that what was that, 35-footer or plus that? I don't even know. It was a shot from downtown. It's almost something you see out of NBA Jam. No doubt he established he was the better guard in the series, especially in comparison to Russell Westbrook. Uh, Portland won in five. And being a Russell Westbrook fan for, for the past couple of years, I gotta admit, there's no there's no defending him, really. I mean, truth be told, I mean, ever since the post-Kevin Durant era, it hasn't been too pretty in OKC. They're well below 500 when it comes to playoffs since Russell Westbrook has led the way. And, you know, I, I've said before, he's the AI of our generation, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But in this era of NBA, it's not really a good thing. So I love his work ethic. Uh, man, he goes all out every game, 100%. And, you know, constantly flying up and down the court like an Energizer bunny, like that battery's packed in him, high charge, you know, versatile. But truth be told, man, the stats don't lie. And that's pro and con of his career. So, you know, he finished the season yet again, averaging a triple-double. That's three straight consecutive seasons he's done that now. Um, No doubt, unbelievable feat, unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, We'll be talking this for years on end, you know, when we're old. But truth be told, you know, that's all people are going to bring up. We're not going to bring up a title or things of that nature. He's got these all-stars appearances. He's got the MVP, this and that, you know, but put it this way, you know, it's it seems like, you know, Russell Westbrook, it's like almost in a sense he can't really coexist with another superstar athlete, especially in this era. You have to coexist with one another. You know what I mean? You have to know each other's role when you're hot and not. So, like, say, you know, Golden State, Steph gets cold or Clay, they rely on KD. KD gets cold, you know, they can re- he can rely on Steph or maybe Clay, Draymond a few games here and there. He's not as high-powered as he used to be a few years ago. But, you know, they, they, 
the you got superstar talent or star talent that can coexist with one another. They know their role when it comes to particular scenarios. And I'm all for Russell Westbrook, you know, leading the charge and want to be that guy. And he's very beloved in Oklahoma City, no doubt, just like AI was in Philly. But the thing is, the negative thing about that is that as much as they beloved him, you got to think from a fan perspective that they're growing weary of this. So now this is three consecutive years that they got knocked out of the first round. And, man, you got you got to look back on this. So with Russell Westbrook, you know, the last seven games that he's played in Oklahoma City when they face elimination, it's the stats aren't too pretty. Yeah, he'll get the triple-double, that's cool, or double-double, whatever. But, I mean, the last seven games, he's 11 of 28, 4 of 20, 8 of 23, 7 of 21, 15 of 34, 18 of 43, and last night, 11 of 31. So, when I say, you know, when you have to coexist with the other teammates, you have to be, you know, you have to realize, like, you know, like I said, when you're hot and not, being able to establish some common communication with one another. And the thing is, it, the roster for OKC, it's not necessarily that. Paul George, he's a good player, but he's not superstar level. He's not that talent, that superstar talent. You know, there was a reason why he left Indiana, because all eyes were on him. But he can never get over that hump, you know, whenever they would face Cleveland, him and uh, LeBron James. It just, you know, LeBron's just another level over PG. But, you know, I think Paul George, he, he knows the spotlights on Russell Westbrook. So, it doesn't help because I can't put all the blame on Russell Westbrook for this first, you know, this first round exit yet again. Is because when you look at that roster, I mean, you guys, you got guys like a Steven Adams, who's great, you know, grabbing a few boards here and there. But someone, you know, that can be dependable in those particular scenarios, especially elimination games, not exactly a Tim Duncan. So the roster, for the most part, is lackadaisical. Uh, not very talented compared to other teams. You know, and Portland showed that, you know, they can display a being of uh, positive chemistry and, you know, just all being overall a well-talented team. And Damian Lillard, I mean, man, he was he was lights out last night in Portland in Game 5. Uh, 50 points, the game winner, 17 to 33, 10 of 18 from the three, seven boards, six assists, three steals, one block. I mean, this dude, he's just, he's phenomenal. And, you know, I hope Portland goes a long way. Him and C.J. McCollum. C.J. was, you know, a little cold last night, but he started to get a little hot later on. And, you know, he he had a solid outing as well, 17 points. And like I said, he was cold, 8 of 19. But he started to get things hot, get majority of those eight uh, field goal attempts come late in the game. So, the question really, I mean, so CJ and Damian, you know, they show that, you know, they're on par with one another. They can coexist. 
They got communication. So the real question is, you know, can Oklahoma City, do, like I said before, do they start looking at other talent or start recruiting uh, and start a post-Westbrook era? So it's it's a tough thing because, like I said, you know, he's been there since the beginning. And... Um, so you know Oklahoma, Oklahoma. If you look at it as a whole, I mean, really, all they got is you know the University of Oklahoma Sooners for football, and that's it. You know, they're not really big in college basketball, not since the Blake Griffin era. You know, and so that's all they got to look forward to, really. If anything, I'd be willing to bet that Oklahoma's more of a basketball state, to be honest with you, as legendary, you know, from the past Sooners. It's just, you know, it's more basketball-oriented. It's more favor of that particular sport. So can the fans and the franchise be willing to move on and accept, like, look, this is the best that we're going to get? You know, he puts up all these stats. That's great. But when you have someone that shoots 30, 40 times, I mean... And he's only making maybe a quarter of them. I mean, that's that's detrimental, no doubt. And, I mean, for a dude that averages in the playoffs, um, you know, he's shooting 30% from the three and 41%. It's, it's hard to defend a guy like that. And, you know, from a business aspect, you got to think, like, you know, we got... You got to make some moves here. But the question is, who's willing to take Russell Westbrook? And can they really sever ties to someone that, you know, made them as relevant as Russell Westbrook? So, like I said, it's, um, you know, Billy Donovan, head coach. He's a good coach, not necessarily great. But, you know, it's another season down where it's just like, all right, back to the drawing board. It's just like... You're really not seeing any more improvement, especially from your superstar as Russell Westbrook. And he's, you know, he's 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 athletic, and like I said, you know, he puts in the work, this and that. But it's like, man, it comes to a point. It's like we got we got to part ways, and we're, we want to go a different direction because it's shown. You're you're showing us like, yeah, you can put up 20 points. But you're shooting the ball 30, 40 times, and you're only making 10, maybe 12. So, and that in the long run, that cost us. And, man, it just seems like he's just go, 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 which isn't bad. He's full. He'll give you 100%, but he's not looking at everything as a whole. You know, he's just that, he's got that tunnel vision, like, there's the hoop, and just go there. <laughs> You know what I mean? But and he just he's he he threw up some wild shots last night and it's just he's in a sense it almost looks like he's trying too hard. He's trying, you know, to will everything he can for his team and the city. And it's just, you know, he doesn't step back and think, you know, like we need to make smarter plays and shots, this and that, and get a rhythm going. So like I said, AI was the same thing. You know, uh, there's, you know, 
In Philly, it was AI or die kind of thing when it came to the playoff scenarios. And besides that playoff run that he had back in 2000, you know, when when he had a Dikembe Mutombo aging at that point, but he still get you, you know, a double-double points and boards. Uh, you know, they 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 went out five games, the NBA Finals against the Lakers. And um, that was, you take that season away, his playoff run isn't necessarily that successful. You know, and going back to, you know, like Russell Westbrook, when he couldn't coexist with Kevin Durant, it's like when AI couldn't coexist, coexist with Carmelo when he went to Denver. You know, you got superstar talent. On paper, it looks amazing. Both men put up points. They'll draw on the seats in Denver. But there's a reason why, you know, they didn't get, they weren't that successful when it came to the playoffs. Because Carmelo had his, you know, his game strategy of, you know, just I'm the guy. AI was somewhat similar. And they never really were able to converse with one another and communicate. And, you know, so it's just kind of like a pride golf before the fall kind of idea. So, you know, and Carmelo was the same way, you know. Uh, eventually, him and AI, you know, they would go their separate ways. And Carmelo, going from Denver to New York City, get a major, you know, contract deal, go to the Knicks, and you will get the same results. He'll draw on the fans, he'll draw on the seats, he'll draw on the attendance. He'll put up 25-30 a game, but, I mean, he struggled nonetheless. He, he, he didn't make anyone very, he didn't make anyone on his team versatile. You know, so he, he drew in the attention, great player, but that's it. He'll have the accolades of, you know, all-stars and whatever. He'll get one, two, three gold medals, Summer Olympics for basketball, but that's it. No title, no ring, no MVP. So it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, especially in today's era of NBA where, you know, the shooting the three is a cool thing. And Russell Westbrook, he's not, he's not a three point guy. I mean, shooting, and that's not a bad thing. Not everyone is. Even if you're a point guard or a shooting guard, they don't, you know, not everyone, that's not their strong suit. And usually players learn to develop that later. And, they, you know, they increase 5%, 10% maybe. But even then, I mean, that's a stretch because some, some don't do that. And that's fine. They, they realize that, you know, that's not really their strong suit. So they adapt to something else. Uh, passing, defense, things of that nature. Michael Jordan was never a great three-point shooter. I think he shot around 34% for his career. He was never really that great. Never shot the three that much. I mean, hell, I'm. it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. But he realized his role. He realized players on his team that could shoot the three, and he would take advantage of that. Improvise, adapt, overcome, that kind of thing. Well, Russell Westbrook, I mean... <laughs> He's just, uh, man, he's just, like I said, he's, he's, uh, uh, 
tunnel vision. And he'll give you everything he's got. And he'll bust his ass. But, man, <laughs> there's 11-31, 29 points, 11 boards, 14 assists last night. There, there, there comes a point. It's just like, uh, are you an asset or a liability? So, it's like, man, like I said, Oklahoma City, they get, they got some homework to do in this off season. They got to think, like, what, what can we do here? You know, um, he turns thirty-one in November, and he's been there for what, almost a decade now, give or take. So, you know, it's just, uh, like I said, I, I love Russell Westbrook. I'm a fan. But, man, it's just, you know, all these, these triple doubles, they don't get you rings. They don't get you championships. They get, they get you self-accomplishments. They get you an argument for an MVP, win an MVP, make an all-star, you know. But other than that, that's about it. So, it's just, oh, it's, it's, it's hard to watch as a fan. Because it's just, you know, two years ago, I was still defending them. And then they got Paul George. And it's just like, all right, well, you know, we'll see, you know, what they do next season. You got the same result, out in five. Last year, they lost in six. The year before that, they lost in five. And then, the, the you know, it's just... It's it's tough to watch, you know. So I mean, being the last three seasons, they're they're what? Uh, let's see. Uh, they won four games total the last um, three seasons when it comes to the playoffs. And um, I mean, man, it's just being four of. Being four and sixteen, that's 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 not a player that you want to you know build your team around, unless he realizes that. So you got now he like I said he's thirty, you know. So this is where and injuries are starting to slowly take a toll on his body, and you know management GM they got to look at they got to look at us as a whole. They got research, do their homework, see what they can get from possibly. Where can he go? Will he go? Will they trade him? Let him go? Like I, you know, I don't know his contract. So, but it, as a, you know, if I was like I said, if I was an Oklahoma City fan, it'd be it'd be tough to watch and realize like, look, we got to do something, you know. And it's just you know they got to realize that things aren't working. And I, I mean. It's just too. It's it's a tough thing to realize, and you know. And truth be told, I mean, da- Damian Lillard sh- shooting that shot—that was unbelievable. I mean, that that was that was something that's that's going to be remembered for a while. So, but I don't know. It's uh, Damian Lillard. He's a phenomenal athlete. And I like his mindset of, you know, he wants to stay in Portland. That's his city. That's his team. And I like that. So we'll see how they do in the next round. But with Russell Westbrook, man, that's it's it's a hard thing to realize. You know, you got to look in the mirror. T- 
take accountability. Like I said, two years ago, I was defending Russell Westbrook. I'm like, he, you know, he didn't really have anyone at the, you know, post Kevin Durant era. That was the first season without him. It was basically Russell Westbrook and I think Steven Adams and Enos Cantor. Like, that's the only two other players I can think of on the roster. But, you know, it was all him. And so I give him the leeway, leeway of that. But after that, I mean, these last two seasons, they've been, they've, they've been pretty disappointing. So it's, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's hard to realize that. So, I mean, like I said, Oklahoma City, they got to do something. What it is, I don't know. Where can he go? I'm not sure. Will anyone take him? I'm sure someone will. Because they know, I mean, he, like I said, he, he brings in the, attendant, the, the attendance. Brings in crowds. He'll bring in the money for another franchise. But the question is, I mean, he turns 31 in November. So is anyone going to be willing to take a, you know, aging point guard at this time? You know, so this is the same thing that we saw with AI. You know, when Philly, they realized, you know, their best opportunity to win it all was back in 2000. And after that, he started to struggle. I mean, Truth be told, he did have somewhat of lackadaisical talent, but at the same time, it came to the point where, you know, he was an asset, and then he became a liability. So, you know, by the time, you know, when he turned 30 in Philly, they realized that they weren't going to go anywhere. You know, besides that 2000 season, they struggled a lot. You know, and he'll 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 bring you the numbers, but other than that, I mean, it's it's a struggle. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, with Philly, I mean, he, it's uh like you know like they would you know they they made that playoff run, and then they were first round exit, and then they were like a second round exit, and then a first round. And then Philly was like, you know what? He's he's becoming a liability. He's aging. He, you know, he's he's about to approach his mid-30s. And, you know, you look at AI's playoff, they're somewhat similar to Russell Westbrook when it comes to the shooting percentage. I mean, he was he was 32% from the three. He, he shot 40%. And, you know, so you know, it, Philly realized, like, yeah, you know, you're putting up 30 points a game. That's great. But other than that, I mean, you're, you know, we love your work ethic and your energy and your drive. We don't question that. But other than that, I mean, you don't take anything. You don't really have the accountability to adapt and become something else to take yourself to a higher level. And that's why players like AI and uh, Carmelo soon fade out because they think they're still that same player by the time they're 34, 35, and they're not. And, you know, and sadly, I don't know if Russell Westbrook will realize this, and he might go out the same way. And it's it's one of those things to be tough to watch. And when AI went to Denver, his little stint there, they made the playoffs. Uh, you know, twice 
and they were first round exits. I mean, him and Carmelo on paper, that looks amazing. But, you know, they, they, they were first round exits. And after that, uh, two seasons, they miss it. And then he gets traded. Uh, he goes to Detroit and Detroit, you know, puts him in a role where it's just like, you're not that guy anymore. And he doesn't like it and gets traded again to Memphis and Memphis does the same thing, you know, and they're like, you're not that guy anymore. And he ends up back in Philly and then he retires. So like I said, I mean, round, you know, being a high drive and high profile point guard who's constantly on the go and drives and puts his body on the line that's Russell Westbrook and that's Allen Iverson so I mean uh, it's just eventually injuries father time is undefeated it's gonna mount up to him and he needs to realize I mean whether next season he needs to you know do something besides put up all these stats and become more of an asset than a liability so who knows? Like I said, Oklahoma City, you know, uh, pressure's on them now. Um, we all know what Russell Westbrook is capable of, but can, you know, can he deliver come playoff time? And so far, since Kevin Durant, I mean, him, you know, four wins in the last three seasons, that's that's not going to get it done. Uh, four, you know, four wins and... Uh, 16 losses that's 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 a tough outlook so but who knows and then (laughs) Paul Paul George says after the game like you know that's a bad shot by Damian Lillard and I don't know why he would go and say something like that because you know he he needs to realize like like I said he's just a good player but I think there's a bit of saltiness there Because, you know, Damian Lillard, you know, he's played significantly better than Paul George. He definitely showed who's better between him and Russell Westbrook. So, I don't know why he's saying, you know, post-game interview, like, that's a bad shot. Whether you agree or disagree on the shot, I mean, it went in. I mean, he that uh, that was a hell of a shot, especially as time expires in Portland. I mean, that's definitely to get your credibility and your resume up as an NBA player, no doubt. But I don't know. So, but either way, the NBA playoffs go on. And with that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick little break. And you are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back. This is Injured Reserve. So I'm starting to realize, you know, not only just in basketball, but in football as well. You know, the older we get, times change, whether rules, policies, you know, players, whatever. But the thing is, is that I think not a lot of people realize nowadays is that they see something and they view it like as in like an old perspective, like, oh, that won't work. You know, what I mean, whether an athlete, 
game plan, etc. And I think what a lot of people fail to realize, especially with the NFL draft coming up here pretty soon, they realize that, you know, say, I'll, I'll make an example. Basketball, three-point era. But it's not just like three-point era for smaller guys like point guards and shooter guards like it used to be. 80s, 90s, you had maybe a Dumars, Steve Kerr, you know, little guys. Kind of unknown. I won't say so much, say unknown, but more of a role player. Then you had the early 2000s, Wally Zerviak, Kyle Korver, you know, Reggie Miller during, during his end. The older he got, he could still put up a three. Same thing with Ray Allen. He'll get you 10, 12 coming off the bench. About two of those attempts from shots would be from the three. And, you know, the 90s, early 2000s, it was more drive to the hole or maybe get a mid-range shot. You know, big men down low, grab the board. Like Shaq, muscles way through. And maybe make a fadeaway shot like a Dirk Nowinski. But guys like Dirk, you know, you see these bigger men in basketball that can shoot from the three now, which is dangerous in itself, you know. So you start to notice this in the NFL. Now, when I say this is that when it comes to, like, the quarterback position, back then, you know, you wanted a quarterback that was, as long as he could throw the ball, you know, and have that mindset of being able to have the ability to take everything in, know the game plan, have a very high IQ knowledge when it comes to the NFL and what they can do, you know, be able to see the field, have well awareness, what to do in particular scenarios, then you were golden. You know, a smart, basic pocket quarterback. Nowadays, you know, that position has evolved to something more. So nowadays, you know, you got someone, it was like early 2000s, pocket quarterback, Brady, Manning, Kurt Warner. You know what I mean? They weren't going to run out the pocket. You knew where they were going to go, and that's it. It was either a pass, incompletion, things of that nature. Then it came around to quarterbacks that are a little bit bigger and somewhat can move a little. Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, big guys, 6'4", 6'5", 240, 250. Tough to take down. Kind of dangerous in the pocket, be able to make a play here and there. Small pitch to the running back. Maybe, you know, short throw to the wide out, tight end, whatever. Now you see quarterbacks that, you know, like a Russell Wilson who... Not only can throw and throw on the run, but can able to escape the pocket and run and get a few yards. Now, some quarterbacks could do this, like a Michael Vick, but he it wasn't so much consistent. And Vick can move, he can run the ball, you know, dangerous on his feet, and just take off like that whenever he wanted to. And, you know, that'd be a serious threat to coaches when he first entered the NFL. And, you know, he did have that time where they, you know, they didn't make the NFC championship game in Atlanta and they fell short. 
But after that, coaches, players, they scout that. They learn to, you know, be able to contain that. A running back, or excuse me, a running quarterback can only go so far. Prime example, Robert Griffin III. Great quarterback his rookie year. One rookie of the one rookie of the year. Uh, went to Washington. Took them to the playoffs in a long time. And that was it. Cause come the wild card round, he was doing great. And you know, he's making a run for a first down or whatever it may be, I can't remember. And he breaks his leg. And that was it. You know, you never really heard from him again. And now he's a bench quarterback in Baltimore. So you got you got guys like Russell Wilson who is mobile, versatile, can make a throw on the run, and you know, and knows how to take care of his body and know when to slide and not get hit. Smart, high IQ quarterback knowledge, underrated. You know, got his big payday. And the same thing is, you know, being said for quarterbacks like Kyler Murray. You know, Russell Wilson, he's not a big guy. I think he's barely six foot, maybe 5'11". Doesn't, doesn't carry a lot of baggage on him. He's not, he's not over 230. He might be 220 at best, but I don't think he's even that. Kyler Murray, you know, he's 5'9", 5'10". That's like my height. I'm barely 5'9". To be technical, I'm like five eight and three quarters. So you see guys like Kyler Murray, and he's barely two hundred pounds, you know. And he did his stint in Oklahoma, which was phenomenal. It was it was Kyler a bust in Oklahoma with his Sooners. He made a solid run at it, Heisman, whole nine, you know. And so you got some of these scouts skeptical because it's just like, yeah, he's this and that, but. Man, he's small. It's just like, it seems like whenever there's a small quarterback in the draft, they're skeptical. And I feel like, you know, they that, that overwhelms their idea of just not seeing their potential and, you know, see if they can make the play or not. Remember, Drew Brees, he was, he's small too. And he's breaking records left and right in his career. Passing yards, touchdowns, whatever whatever it is, you know, and he's he's barely six foot. I th- he's two fifteen, two twenty. He's not he's not you know he's not as versatile as Russell. He's not going to run out the pocket. He's got a cannon for an arm though. So a similar scenario can be said for Kyler. He's you know he's he's very agile. He can get out the pocket whenever. Make you know defenders missing that. You know, and for the most part, he did a solid job against Alabama. If I'm a if I'm a scout in the NFL, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at every game, but I'm paying. I'm definitely paying close attention to that Bama game. Sure, you know there was a lot of you know few errors here and there by him, but a quarterback that size to be able to hang with that Bama defense, I mean. Hey, I mean, that's, you know, that's a W in my book. Because virtually, he's going to see the same thing every Sunday. Uh, You know, almost in a sense to Bama defense. Now, I'm not saying that Bama defense is on the same, you know, level as an NFL defense. But it's pretty damn close. 
You know, that's what Alabama is all known for is their defense. So you got to put things in perspective of that. So being a 5'9 guy, I hope him the best. I don't know where he's going to go. But if I'm, a, if I'm scouting, I'm looking at his tapes. And like I said, the Bama one most, most definitely. And, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm taking notes. See what he can bring to the table for a franchise. Because, you know, I think I have some hope for him. Like I said, I you know I'm I'm kind of iffy on the size as well. So, but I think, you know, you can't always put that in perspective of how a big a man is just because based off their position. So, with that being said, um, another player that's uh, making some waves for up up and coming draft is Dwayne Haskins, out of Ohio State. You know, he's saying teams want him this and that. Denver, and I don't know what other teams. I think San Fran or whoever, Washington. Dwayne Haskins, solid quarterback, you know, versatile. And, you know, truth be told, I mean, he did a well job against my Michigan Wolverines. He tore them up. So, and that defense was top five in the league last year. So, I... Particularly, I don't know where, like I said, I don't know where he's going to land either. But, I mean, I'd be taking some notes down on him as well. But I think a lot, what the, the common problem that falls when some of these uh, scrambling quarterbacks is that they, how can I say, they're very prideful when they come out of college and think they can do the same thing and that's just not true. This is, a, this is the man's league, and they need to realize, you know, Michael Vick said it best himself. Not, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he said, you know, he wished he would have studied film more. more. He wished he would have, you know, developed his game more, became more adaptable, adaptable you know, be able to improvise more. Because that, that was all his, that was his, that was his go-to, you know, get in trouble, scramble. That was it, and he'd just run. But if he was to actually develop his game as a youngin' in his prime, whew, that could have been dangerous. He could have been, you know, he could have been, in a sense, like an Aaron Rodgers, who can, he can move as well and make a throw, make a, uh, make a throw while on the run. That could have been him, but just twice as fast. If he was able to, you know, take advantage of those strengths, of being fast and be able, being mobile and be able to scramble out the pocket and still make a play downfield looking for a wide out or a tight end, he would have been a phenomenal quarterback. I'm not disregarding his legacy because he is a future Hall of Famer and he definitely changed the game, you know, for the NFL and definitely <laughs> being, you know, the all time greatest Madden athlete of all time because Madden 2004, no one can stop him. You know, that's basically, you know, if you put, if anyone that's played that game, Madden 2004, know what, you cannot stop Michael Vick. If you had a blitz rush on him, good luck getting him, because he would just run out the pocket, and his speed was like a 99. It was nuts. But, I mean, Michael Vick, you know, like I said, future Hall of Famer, he said it himself. He could have developed his game when he was young, and he, you know, he, he could have been, you know, 
he could have uh, more. Ha- he could have had a more uh, lengthy career, but it was cut short because when you're running and getting hit, I mean, it it, it shut him. It, it shorted his career a little bit. Same thing in a sense of Johnny Munzel. He was somewhat versatile and mobile, but when you get hit a few times. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that's the reason why he got out of the NFL. We all know why he got booted from the NFL in Cleveland because you know his personal issues and whatnot. But you know, when he was mobile and agile, that could only go so far. So, and you don't want your quarterback to be doing that all the time. It's okay to make a play as a coach. You want to see that. You know, take the initiative, have the awareness in the pocket. But you don't want to see him scrambling and running downfield on 100 miles an hour every single play. Because, you, you know, your, your quarterback, that's your go-to guy. That's the captain of your offense, you know. So it's just if he gets hurt and he gets knocked out of the game, then, you know, then you got to find an idea of what to do next as a coach. You don't want to see your go-to guy get hurt. So, but... Like I said, Kyler Murray, don't, you know, it's just uh, don't be so judgmental on the guy. I think he has a lot of hope and praise. I hope he does well. Uh, whoever takes that, you know, whatever team takes him, you know, I think they have a lot of, um, how can I say, uh, they'll have a lot of attention, no doubt. But, you know, I think they'll, they'll, they'll have a good one. It's a solid pick. Yes, he's yes he's undersized for a quarterback, but you know a lot of quarterbacks were Doug Flutie, Drew Brees. Um, man, I mean I'm sure if I took a list right now and did the research, there'd be a few more on that 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 did pretty well. So, but with that being said, um, I'm gonna take this is gonna be the final segment of the day. I hope everyone has a great weekend. It's Thursday, sun is out. Here in Michigan, thank God, uh, you know, 70 degrees out. I'm rocking shorts for the first time in a long while. And, um, you know, hey, tomorrow's Avengers Endgame Day. So I hope everyone enjoys it. I know I will. I'm not going to see it opening weekend because I know the theaters are going to be stupid packed. I'm not going to try and be on that level yet. Like I said, I'll probably go... uh, Probably on some random day like a Monday or, or whenever I have off from work. And probably try and see that movie on an empty day where there's not so many people. Probably go like a 12 o'clock showing or whatever. But if I was, you know, if I was part of the Avengers Endgame cast, no doubt there's going to be a billion dollar booking. And then some, whether in the U.S. or in other countries. But with that being said, I hope everyone has a great weekend. And I'll talk to y'all later.